When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what's up guys? Welcome to back to another episode of Fistful of Collars. Myself, Howell, Reed, Connell, and Chase Smith, all in the what's house. <laughs> if you're wondering why we're laughing, just, just general grappling shenanigans going on backstage before the show. So. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's a very professional start to this show. Super pro. Super pro. It's good to be back. It is yep. good to be back. Reed, where have you been? Oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm a little exhausted for sure. But yeah, I just got back from New York, man. Always awesome. A, Always a crazy time. Always fun. I was just we. I was just on what is it Tuesday night. I was. We got some late night food, you know, Tuesday night, and I'm walking back through the streets of New York. It's just like catching the shows. It's like just the there? most surreal place. <laughs> did you, did it's just a crazy. It? That's a different podcast. The show is there for a different podcast. <laughs> I love New York. It's the city that yeah, literally it's such a crazy sleep, place. Right? It really is. It yeah. really is just such a crazy place. And and on top of just kind of the trip it was an amazing trip. Got to you know kind of officially kick things off for ADCC you know I'm feeling the ADCC fever like in full swing right now Mm. so it was a it was a fun trip absolutely man uh I love New York I really do I haven't been as much as I used to go I used to there's a period a couple of years ago that I was going there like like five times a year that's something and uh it seems you're the guy who does that now right Uh, yeah definitely lucky I've been been there quite a few times just with Kasai and Mm. and with uh you know going out there for some content trips and stuff like that Uh, just it's just like there's so many good pl- people, at, you know, all in one spot. It's just a, it's like a cool spot. Four blocks. Yeah, really. You can, you can walk, you know, five minutes so to many. three elite gyms. It's crazy, yeah. right? And then plus Vitor Shaolin's is it, there as well. And, and um, there's a whole bunch. JT. Yeah, JT, bit not too far, yeah. you know. Um, and then, of course, all the guys out in Jersey as well. And, um, yeah, just like that that area is just, like, concentrated with so much incredible jiu-jitsu. So let's break it down. Okay, so it's ADCC. It's coming up. It's uh, about two months away, approximately. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of guys from New York who are competing on ADCC, right? There's, there's an absolute ton of guys because most of the main gyms have got at least one. <laughs> at least one, actually. They've like all, got, like, yeah, they've yeah, all yeah. got at least three guys in, I yeah. think. So so who'd you go and see? Man, I saw. You tried to tried to see everybody. Didn't get to see everybody. Maybe we can get them back out there again before um, before ADCC. But you know, I went to Marcelo's and I went to Henzo's. Kind of hit those two. Um, talked to Johnny Grippo, Mateus Denise. I got an incredible. You guys don't even know what you're in for. I got an incredible interview with Marcelo Garcia over two hours, um, going through his his ADCC career and and everything. Just a huge deep dive. Such a privilege to be able to talk any, to that. Uh, dude. Any surprising moments you want to share early? A little teaser. <sighs> Man, there are just it was so many. It was such an epic interview. We 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 um we chronicled everything, you know. But what what really hit me was talking about his his first. Um, experience at ADCC in 2000 was, in 2003 yeah I was about to say when was that that was a long time ago yeah yeah think long. about that Marcelo 20 years at ADCC it started in 98 We're, it's in 2019 20, now wow, it's over yeah. 20 years at ADCC pretty, pretty impressive. Marcelo broke onto the scene back in 2003 and the crazy thing is that he hasn't fought in ADCC since 2011 mm. and yet He's one of those guys that you mention ADCC on one. He's one of the first people you think of, right? Just an absolute freaking legend. Four-time ADCC champion? He's a four-time ADCC champion. 2003, 2005. Hang on. Yeah. 2003, 2005. Oh, he lost 2009. So he won three ADCCs in a row. 2003, 2005, 2007. Uh, Got the silver in 2009. And then came back in 2011 for the gold. So four-time gold medal Freaking winner, two-time silver medal. Yeah, if you insane. Guys, if you guys remember, he won the. Um, he got the silver medal in 2009, but he also got the silver medal in the absolute division in 2007. Marcelo, <laughs> his performances are like monsters. what you show people when you're trying to 
demonstrate yeah. what jujitsu is. Like, oh yeah, you know, look at this yeah. smaller guy yeah. take on these beasts like yeah. Rico Rodriguez and all that stuff. Like insane. No, so what's, at, what's, what's the? What's I was the, at the gym last night and I was just like, oh, I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's been there. What's the vibe like right now in those gyms? Like the is the? Uh, can you feel the ADCC energy? Yep. It seems like things are just kicking off. Like I said, you know, two two week. I mean, uh, two months away from ADCC, so things are just starting to. Uh, you know, to get cooking out there for all these big ADCC camps, it looks like, and uh, yeah, things are things are are um, the intensity at these places is is ratcheting up. You know, it's always fun to go see these guys train, especially the nogi go go hard. But as you were telling me, uh, Marcelo's is where they were training in the gi when you were there. Yep, yep, of course. <laughs> That's they, definitely a factor. They kind of they yeah. kind of train year, year round. Gi, no gi, doesn't matter. And straight up fifty fifty split, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's really big. Comes down to uh, from from Marcelo, I think. You know, where it's just like he just trains everything year round. It's all jujitsu to him, and, and yeah. You know what I was surprised to hear? Um, I did an interview for my Chasing Greatness series with Josh Hinger last night, and he said at Atos they'll be training in the gi uh, mm, pretty regularly all the way up until ADCC. And he views it as, like, active rest. You know, he mm. says no gi is much more physically demanding and taxing, especially when they're training for ADCC. Oh, yeah. And so he'll look at a gi class as a way just to kind of, like, refresh himself a little bit and get a sweat in. So I thought that was cool because I, I hadn't really considered it that mm. as a, an option, really. Well, there's a lot of people – who train day to day in those gyms that aren't getting ready for ADCC, right? That's so it, yeah. I guess you can't make like the the entire student membership all train no gi for like three months <laughs> in a year just to get ready for one competition that comes around every two years, right? So, but yeah, well, go, go on, carry on. But what, what was it like at Marcelo's? Oh, you know, uh, they, you know, but they did train Nogi while I was there as well, you know. So, um, yeah, I got a lot of cool stuff. You they'll, know, they'll train both in the same day, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, both in the same day. Yeah, mm. I did the. I think they did the eleven o'clock class Gi and then the noon class um, Nogi. So yeah, they they really switch back and forth all the time. I remember when I was at Marcelo's, it was like an hour class, but man, they packed it in. It looked so grueling. I was really impressed. Yeah, every minute, you know, because like they have so many classes at Marcelo's. It seems like they have class like every hour. Yeah, so they, there's they no hanging around, it. right? Yeah, they pack every minute with, you know, like the warm-up, you know, two, two, three minutes, and then straight to the technique, and then, you know, so, like, they, they you get your money's worth for that hour. You know what I noticed as well about um, most of the gyms in New York, but especially Marcelo's, um, it's, it's a very New York thing that people literally run into the gym, like, two minutes before the class, like, just yeah. get changed, like, <laughs> the clothes are off and their rash guards on, they're straight on the mat. But then the moment that the class is over, there's no hanging around. There's no like sitting around chatting, and you know, a, a few of the guys, like obviously like Gianni and a few of the pros and stuff, they'll be like getting in extra rounds and and drilling techniques and stuff. But the general student base, they're like straight back out the door. They're like jump in the shower, quick rinse off, and out and going back to work or whatever it is. And I don't know, it just feels like so. It's man, those guys—they treat it really seriously. It's very business-like, mm, right? It's very New York-like, like very New York, yeah, very New York. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's not to say that they're business-like, as in they're not friendly and stuff. They absolutely are, but it's just a very different vibe when you know people show up, kind of like 15, 20 minutes mm, before yeah, a session yeah. or midway through the warm-up, and then <laughs> everybody's lying around on the mat chatting afterwards and stuff. I and think it says a lot that none of the gyms I've been to in New York have any chairs. Like <laughs> it's just mats, huh? Yeah. There's no, yeah. you know, I mean, Marcella has that windowsill you can kind of sit on, I yeah. guess. But um, And then there's the one chair at Henzo's, but that's reserved for Rob. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Black Rob, he's the, the mayor of Henzo Gracie. He's always there. It's the one chair at Henzo's. <laughs> yeah. It belongs to Rob. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's in and out. And it, oh, oh, it's cool for me because I've only been to New York twice now, and once was kind of by accident. But um, uh, when I was walking around after training, I, I, I ran into Gary Tone at Starbucks. And I ran into Craig Jones. When I was walking back from Central Park. Like yeah. they're just milling about, waiting to go back to training. It, it's such a unique scene because there's millions of people in New York, but there I millions, am bumping yeah. into a bunch of guys just in that little radius. There's cool. nothing like New York. If you've never been out to, to New York to train, it's it's a, a privilege. It's a, it's a cool spot because you can go for a week and train with like you know all these different world champions all these different uh, ADCZ champions so. well let, before we go in too much about like what what we did on this uh, or what you did on the last couple of days roll yeah. it back what was can you remember the first time you went to visit New York to train Jiu Jitsu or to, to get experience in Jiu Jitsu for me it was the first time we did Road to World so I actually I went earlier for ADCC I, I, I was at Nogi Pans right after that but I didn't see any gyms so it didn't really count but Just I went to Road to World the event exactly yeah but uh, Reed and I went out for Road to Worlds in 2017, or is that 18? 
Uh, might have been 18. Couldn't tell you. I think it was, I think it was 18. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, 2018. <laughs> 2018. Yeah. And we hit Unity and Essential. And um, I That's was right, because you did the famous video that everybody remembers. Right, with the, the shower, the shower and scene and <laughs> in Unity. Uh, and it, I don't know. The gyms themselves felt very similar. You know, like uh, it was packed with, with elite guys and tough training. But just walking outside and being in New York was just such a crazy feeling to yeah, me. Yeah, you know, it is, definitely. But that's what stood out was like just it, you walk out and you're in this metropolis, this megalopolis, if you will, and, and there's so much to do, and yet all these people just choose to do jiu-jitsu. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. What was it like then, the, um, the, the, the jiu-jitsu? You said it was like a, the, the gym was the gym. Is it like a little, little oasis inside the crazy hubbub of the city? Yeah. I mean, I think it takes a certain kind of person to call the old Unity Gym an oasis, but <laughs> um, it was. You know, it's just a little hole in the wall. You walk by like a restaurant. I remember those guys like pushing little like carts around with, I think, food on it or something. Yeah, Maybe I'm wrong. on like, the first floor. Yeah, on the yeah. first floor. You feel like you're going some weird back alley, but um, – then you yes you end up at this destination where it's just <laughs> so much talent and just a lot of people dedicating full time you know mm-hmm. I, I think there might be more of that in new york or at least the gyms we go to maybe i'm just seeing that but uh they guys, take it seriously yeah right? yeah there's a lot of a lot of emphasis put on it it's their entire life for a yeah. lot of guys that are maybe just purple belts and in their 30s even they're this is what they're doing pretty incredible how about you do you remember the first time you went to new york um for jiu-jitsu the first time I went, for, I, I can't really remember off the top of my head the fir- very first time. Um, I don't know. It must have been maybe in 2016 or I can't remember because I, I went to New York for, for the trials, I think, or I went to um, Jersey. Jersey. But I, I don't know. I can't remember. But one time I, I do remember maybe kind of early was when I went there for, for the, um, the Henzo Gracie um, camp before ADCC 2017 and wow. that's maybe one of the first times I, um, I, I went to Henzo's oh um, that's right because we shot the uh, the documentary as well the uh, the Danaher Death Squad, Danaher Death Squad. Flow film yeah, which yeah. which is on on the site and which, it's actually which it's really really cool it, experience unto itself you know I we, we went oh down God, yeah, we yeah. went down um, crazy crazy backstory but I mean we went down with those guys went to Jersey and I spent the night at Gary Tonin's house which we could do another podcast on that <laughs> just uh, on that <laughs> um, you know but then woke up with the, with the guys Gordon and Nikki and, and, and Gary and it woke up you know like five o'clock 4 30 and drove into the city with them you know because they live so far away for some reason <laughs> well they, they used to yeah they used yeah. to Gordon, I mean I think Nikki still does Nikki right Nikki and Gary still there. yeah, yeah. Out in Brunswick, Gordon's yeah. in the city now but mm-hmm. so you've got a taste of what it was to do their like their commute or their daily routine yeah, Ethan you know Oliver the, all, all those guys I'm pretty sure a lot of those guys still do do this uh, and oh yeah Nick Rodriguez like he even lives further away now he's all the way down like South Jersey right yeah <laughs> training with Jay Regalbuto and all those mm-hmm. dudes mm-hmm. yeah South Jersey BJJ that's so, right so that was a crazy experience driving in the car what time were you up with, in the morning? With Gordon. Um, I think we got up at like 4.30. I mean, and like we we had driven back and like did open mat with Gary. And then I ended up like interviewing Gary after that for like an hour. So like we didn't get back to Gary's house until like 11 p.m. probably. And, and then straight to bed yeah, to go up, do it again. Straight to bed and then get up at 4.30 to take a shower and, and get on the road by 5. So you did one day of that? Yeah, I did one day of that, and I was like, <laughs> I can't be an ADCC champion. I can't. <laughs> and, and those guys, they literally go into the city like six, seven days a week, right? <sighs> yeah, I really don't know how they do it for, for real. But, wow. you know, I think a lot of people have, have stories like that of, of riding the bike to, to the gym or, or walking to the gym or, you know, having to make sacrifices. Living in the gym, whatever Living, living in the gym. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys are, are absolutely making, making the sacrifices to be champion. And, uh, yeah, I learned I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man, um, that sounds that sounds crazy, and that was a great flow film because 2017 ADCC turned out to be a pretty good one for the Danaher Death Squad, right? Yeah. You know, obviously, Gordon going on to get the gold and silver at ADCC. So, um, you visited Henzo's this time as well. Yep, got to yeah. visit Henzo's as well. You know, and man, the mats just keep growing over there. You know, I think they've really put themselves on the map, mm. especially since ADCC. So you have a lot of people like Craig Jones and like Nick Rodriguez who are really seeking out the training there. And you know, I think everybody's everybody's going there. A lot of people you saw Roberto going there and Keenan visiting there. Hmm. I've got a question for you actually, because um, <clears throat> like doesn't really matter whenever I went to Henzo's the classes were always packed like especially yeah. like john's classes were the ones that i would usually go and, and attend because you yeah. know the the big names kind of train in that but it didn't matter the class was always like 60 people whether it was 8 a.m or whether it was 12 noon or whatever but yeah. have you noticed any difference like over the last couple of years with the ex- 
you know the increased kind of profile of the of the of the squad are there more people in general training in those classes or i mean you're you're right i the i've always been t- to henzo's and it's always been packed it's right like it, so that's always, not changed yeah so that yeah. hasn't changed you know like it's it's it was tough you know definitely to to be there with a camera trying trying to move around and and, and whatnot you know because there's a lot of people on the mats and they're going hard especially especially you know there's so many so many guys training for adcc so mm-hmm. like those guys plus everybody else um but yeah you know i mean you you're not going to see a I, it's hard to see a 7 a.m. class have like mm. 60 to 80 people in it. You know, you're like, this is 7 a.m. What are you, all you people doing? And they're all good. Yeah. They're all like monsters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's another, that's another, is another thing that I want to talk about. Because, um, like, th- we talk so much about the, the competitors and stuff like that, right? But, like, you go into these gyms and, uh, you know, we've gotten to train at, at a bunch of them and stuff like that, too. And uh, not only are, are the competitors good, but it's like there's a whole bunch of dudes who just train there every day, who just train with Gordon Ryan every day, who just train with Marcelo Garcia and Mateus Denise every day and have never competed and are maybe in their 40s, in their 50s, you know, or, or younger and are just absolute beasts. They you scare know? me more. Yeah, they do. I don't know what they've they got, do. but they're hanging in there. I'm like, oh, God, this guy is terrifying. <laughs> For real. And you go there, and you see Mateus getting roles with these guys, and, and um, you know, Nick Rodriguez and, and uh, Gordon getting roles with these 40-year-old you know, guys who are who are just mat rats as well, but you don't. Nobody knows who they are. They but just don't compete. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. And they, but there are so many just savages on on those mats that you would never know. You know, it's so like some. I know sometimes, especially when I went to to Henzo's. You know, you go to Henzo's and and it's intimidating. There's all, all these great guys on the mats. You know, and then some stranger guy you never know before. He's got gray hair. He comes up to you and says, "Hey, want to roll?" And I'm like, "Yes, I would love an easy round." Nah, you know. <laughs> and then he comes up and he just spanks me just kills me you know and i'm like oh my god he's like yeah you know i've, I've been training here at henzo's for 20 years <laughs> you know and i'm like oh okay yeah that's what happens <laughs> yeah oh, one wow. thing that stood out to me I've, i only visited there one time actually but um uh, was just it felt like everyone sort of had the same system in place they were really going with you know john's hierarchy mm-hmm. and he's got a very specific way of, of attacking nogi jiu-jitsu and you know the drills they're running it really was a team learning like the, the preferred sequence of the master. It was really interesting because I feel like a lot of places uh, it's a little more open, you know, especially in the pro format where guys drill what they want to work on. I mean, I watched, I watched everyone, Gordon Ryan, you know, mm. uh, Craig Jones. They're all doing the drills. It's the and uh, working it. the the meta game, right? Sure. <laughs> I think that's the the kind of the buzzword that everybody's using mm-hmm. nowadays. I, I, I don't know. Am I understanding it right? Because I think what you're saying is like you go to some gyms and. One guy's like, he's like, you know, the really good guard passer. And then this guy, or well, he's the flexible Berenbolo dude. And then there's the leg lock guy over there. But it's like at Danaher's, I've noticed that, I mean, they all have their preferred strengths and areas and stuff, but they all have every sort of area dialed in, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I mean, they've made that choice, though, to go to Danaher to learn from him. You know, I think um, there are only a few that have really come up through Danaher from, from White Belt or whatever, mm. through Henzo and that network. But a lot have come in as experienced athletes. So that's what they're going there for. They're going there to conform mm. to that that system where, you know, maybe uh, other people just come up in the gym that they're at and they develop their own style organically like that. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. I mean, I would even say the same thing is true for certain gyms like uh, like Henzo's, for example. Uh, sorry, Henzo, like Marcelo's, for example. Because, um, you know, Marcelo has his curriculum and he has a, a very, very distinct style. You know, the whole arm drags taking the back x guard single leg x and and everybody in the gym kind of does that you know they all have their their areas they're a little bit better known for mateus is a beast guard passer you know gianni's the flexible barambolo guy this mm-hmm. so they all have their own like um specialities but but they're all well versed in all those areas as well right so it's very much it is a top-down thing right yeah i mean uh and it is also like the way that Danny here runs the class is so unique. You know, he's he's lecturing almost like a yeah. college professor, and it's it's so detail driven and organized. And man, I, I was just blown away. Like the the, the level of detail um, is like un, unlike a lot of things I've seen before. But you can probably speak to that a bit more as you've seen him over the years. Now you, you've been visiting the basement for you know. It's funny though that, that Danaher doesn't consider himself to be a good teacher. I heard this in the past. Hmm. I mean. He is an incredible uh, communicator. He is, he is an incredible teacher, but he doesn't consider himself an, a, a good teacher because 
he knows that his style of teaching is not accessible to everybody. And mm. it's that thing. You go into the room, there's like 60 people, and everybody is deathly silent because everybody's trying their hardest to hear what John is saying mm. because he doesn't even change his, the speaking volume of his voice when he's demonstrating the technique. He doesn't project to the room. He doesn't, you know, field Q&A. It's, it's very much a, this is what I'm showing. This is the move. Go and practice. And he has then these small groups where he works with, you know, the, the, the elite guys, the squad, you know, off to one side where he really gets in and, and refines and corrects. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of one-to-one style stuff there or small group coaching. But not everybody gets a taste of that. So he himself has actually kind of come out there and said that I'm not a great teacher. I'm, he is a good teacher. He's an incredible teacher. But by traditional standards, he doesn't teach to the room. He teaches to the smartest person in the room, and everybody else has to try and keep up. Interesting. I think it's it's so impressive when I go to to, to Henzo's and and Marcelo's as well, Marcelo Garcia as well. Um, but it, just the amount of knowledge that that um, John has is always like surprising to me because he's he's just so sure of himself. Every time I go in there, he goes in and he teaches a new technique, and these aren't simple techniques that he's mm-hmm. that he's usually mm-hmm. teaching. You know, these are techniques that are that are five six steps. You know, and and they go from the you know sweep to pass to submission you know they're long chains sometimes but he's always he's always so dialed in you know and it's seven o'clock in the morning (laughs) like again like i said um and he knows exactly you know what what you know i obviously he knows exactly what he's teaching but he's just so sure of himself and then like you said and then after the um the the training he'll be like nikki i saw that you did this you should have done this you know and he'll and he'll be able to give him like very tangible, actionable advice in that moment. Like I just observed you do this technique, and I'm going. This, these are the um, the things that I'm going. I'm giving you. And like he's always, he always has like these very specific things. Oh, that like laser sharp, laser yeah. sharp. It really, he, he can the way he can razor hone sharp. I'm sorry, in. Not, on, not laser sharp. What am I? You saying? could say laser. I'm down. <laughs> that might be even sharper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but just the way he's able to to hone in on these on these intricacies and, and details of the techniques is mm. is so impressive. And I know that I think that's something that. It impresses me definitely about Marcelo too, and, and guys like Lucas Lepre, the way they're mm. they're so detail oriented. But I mean, it, it is definitely a um, <clears throat> those guys are f- sort of coming at it with a disadvantage because English is not their native language, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and John is just such an incredible communicator, you know. Um, just, just there's such a clarity in the way that he speaks. There's no, there's no fluff. There's no fumbles. His just his his thought process just so ordered and and just incredibly focused and direct. It's, um, you know, man, I, I don't have that ability to speak like that in English a lot of the time. So imagine you're trying to do it in a in a second language. It's yeah, be really true. really tough. Very very true. But you know, it's not to say that the information that you're getting from those top teachers, like guys like Marcelo or Murillo or any of the other top coaches in New York, is any less because. Obviously, they all have something really, you know, incredible to offer as well, right? Mm-hmm. An experiment I'd love to do, I've, I've been soft pitching it around the office, is um, like, what could you do with the extended amount of time there? As like an adequate purple belt doesn't know shit about Nogi, really. Um, what could I go in there and learn in two months? You know, like, I would love to see, because ex- a week, you don't really, you maybe get exposed to some ideas and you have to go back and really workshop it and research on your own, but... You know, if you train every day for two months, you might like pick up some stuff. But what would you pick up, and how much? So, I'm throwing it out there, guys. What do you mean? I'm, I'm you want to spend two year, two weeks, two months oh, in New York training? I do. Gotcha, I, do. Gotcha. I would. I would oh. love that and like to chronicle that experience. I think. Gotcha. I, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to do that with the Tenth Planet School, for example. I don't really know the Tenth Planet system, and like. How much of the warm-ups can I remember after two months? You know, they have that unique system there. And mm. Yeah, Derek, who's um, another guy who works with us here at Flow but doesn't know anything really about jiu-jitsu, doesn't do doesn't jiu-jitsu. Train. Doesn't train. Doesn't <laughs> train. And we were at Marcelo's, and he was like, do you think if I just started coming to Marcelo's every day for, like, the next two years, I could be a world champion? And I was like, you could be a blue belt. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's easier said than done. Maybe yeah, a little, yeah. little, little I'm just trying to get him in the door. Really. Yeah. yeah, come on, come on, give, give it a go. Yeah. Do you uh, do you remember the first time that you trained in New York? Because like you know, we've all visited for various reasons, but have you even trained? You've never you've never trained I in New York, right? Didn't get to train. Wow. Um, wait, no. That, 
You train JTs now? I didn't train JTs. No, I haven't actually trained. Cause oh. I, yeah, I wasn't ready for it when I, when I said the last trip was an accident. I was planning on going to Moscow mm. for a Grand Slam and some flight issues came up. So I wasn't really prepared to train. Yeah, because you, yeah. explain, you, explain what was happening. So I was supposed to go over for the um, the Moscow Grand Slam, the AJP Tour thing. And um, the the best financial way to get there was to book two separate itineraries. And what that means is if you miss your connecting flight, well, it's not really a connecting flight. It's a separate flight. So you may as well just not be at the airport. You'd be late. And they weren't going to – what happened was I was delayed coming out of Austin, Texas, going to New York. That's where my connecting flight was or separate flight. So I get there and I'm late and they're not going to rebook me for anything less than $2,000. And I said, Yikes. well, um, I guess I'm spending the weekend I'm in, in New, New York, York for the yeah. weekend, <laughs> you know, which isn't bad. You know, if you're going to be stuck in a place, New York is a wonderful place, a place to be, to be stuck. hanging out. So, yeah, yeah that's yeah. when I visited Henzo's. But you didn't uh, have your, your stuff with you to train. Huh? Exactly. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't really ready to train. And it was like the weekend and there was a Belder fight that, that night. So guys weren't training on a Friday night. Um but I didn't mind. I just hung out in New York for a while because I hadn't really seen the city either. So. It's never a, never a bad day. Never but, yeah, I day. haven't been able to actually train in New mm. York. How about you? You've trained a bunch in New York, right? I've, I've been very lucky. Gotten to, gotten to train at Henzo's, gotten to train at Marcelo's, Unity, um, Shaolin's. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I've kind of trained at, at uh, a lot of them. I've been very, very lucky. Yeah, the time I got to train at Henzo's, man, it was incredible. got to roll with Gordon and, and Nikki and um, Ethan. And a bunch of other those older guys who messed me up. Oh, got to roll Jake Shields too, who who choked me out a bunch. Um, but yeah, one of the more memorable times for sure. Maybe is kind of a good story is um is the rolling at Unity, and I think it's one of your favorite favorite, favorite trips that I've ever done. It is. <laughs> I felt but, all that. Oh man, like just <laughs> the the um yeah training at Unity was it was like their competition class. I think we did like eight rounds of drilling it was like four rounds of takedowns and then four rounds of on the mat technique just just straight eight rounds of drilling straight through and then i think after that then it was just eight rounds of rolling i think the rounds were eight minutes Mm. and so a lot of mat time yeah yeah so i was dead (laughs) (laughs) i was dead and there's some wonderful just framing uh, of your face and like the terror and exhaustion and just I, I mean I think this, get me this out is of here. Good. <laughs> we've talked about this before rolling at other gyms training at other gyms and why it's so important is because like man sometimes you can get comfortable at, at mm-hmm. your gym right and oh, yeah. you go to you go to these other gyms where you don't know the people you're rolling with uh, they don't know you they don't know your game they don't you don't know their game you know the roles are a little bit more a little bit more intense, you know. A you don't, cagey too. You're trying to be a little careful, but also like not the weak. You don't want to yeah, seem weak either. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. give anything yeah. up, and you know, but you don't want to go be the guy who's going too hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a it's a delicate balance for sure. And then to be able to train with with high level guys as well. Um, Did the guys come after you? I mean, no, probably not at all. They probably went easy on me, but but I. Um, Felt like it. <laughs> I felt like it. It's like, you know, afterwards, you know, it's a new class. You don't know the class structure. I know the class structure at my gym. So I right. can, I know how much I can push and like still be able you to. You know when you can rest and yeah. coast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, rest, yeah. Rest yeah. you and, know how you can pace yourself. Yeah, you yeah, know how yeah. you can pace yourself at your own gym. But when you go to a different gym, you don't know how the class mm. is structured. You don't know how you can, how to pace yourself. Sometimes there's no clock on the wall. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And sometimes, you know, it's, especially these bigger gyms, it's kind of, you know, at the whim of, of the head coach kind of. As, Actually, as it's been go. fun. Uh, Johnny Tama, uh, a great athlete, is, is visiting instructor right now at our academy. And he's really changed things up because he's, you know, he's a guest instructor. He's running the show. And so he has a totally different way of doing it. Know, things, yeah. there, there has been a lot less resting, for example, and there's been more hard drilling. And, you know, it's catching some people off guard because not everyone gets to travel. You know, we're really lucky. We get to travel all the time, and usually that involves some kind of training. But some of the guys in our gym don't really get out. And so for them to have their, their system shock like that, like, oh, my God, this is this is so much harder. Yeah. So it really is like a, a change of pace and a, a new challenge. I love it. I think it's a, a great way to sort of get out of a rut you might be in when you're training is just to, to roll with somebody else or go to another class. And It lets you know, oh, yeah. those, wanna... lets you know those, those bullshit techniques that you, um, <laughs> you, that you try on, on, on the whites and blue belts in, in your gym. And then when you take them to another gym, that yeah, they don't work. It's always disheartening <laughs> as well when you're like, okay, i got to go my A game here because it's the only way I could survive. Mm. And that doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, damn it. Uh, okay, I guess my B game? What's my B game again? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. All right, I want to I wanna ask you then. In all the gyms, all the gyms, top three most, top three toughest roles that you had while in all of the gyms that you're training at in New York. For, for me? Not, not, not three guys from each gym, but just, just top three, yeah. Um, man, I, um, I mean, that, 
every round at Unity, probably. Like, uh-huh. No, 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 pick one. Come on, come on. <laughs> what do you, you mean, like, pick like a specific person? Pe- yeah, people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can. I always tell people that I, I just like, I felt like I needed to go really hard um, when I was rolling with Paolo because Paolo Meow. Paolo Meow. Yeah, and because he, he was just effortlessly was like you know passing my guard and submitting me and i felt like i, I felt like he was bored uh, you know and i was like trying to give him something i was like mm. trying to give him something and he would just like take my back easily and i just like because <sighs> sigh midway through like <sighs> yeah <laughs> and then i'm pretty so then i'm pretty, pretty i'm i'm sort of a uh, i don't know i puke a lot sometimes like, like <laughs> I, I have puker? i have done that i do that quite a bit so i did so i did that yeah, and then and then, um, <laughs> I just love the revelation midway through the show that I puke a lot. I actually yeah. didn't know that. I know, I've seen it like once, but you must be a, a I can, secret I can, puker. I can no. I mean, yeah. I, I, I try not to. Aver- I try not to advertise it in the middle of the of the mat space. Guys, 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 <laughs> guys! Everybody. I try so to. I, I try to run to the bathroom, but I don't know. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it happens. I guess some good. Stories. I just thought you were taking a combat dump. <laughs> <laughs> so what is that? Go- what is the? Well, I was just gonna say that I, I like ran to the unity bathroom and I was like, I dead. I thought, like was like, you know, thought I was gonna puke and everything like that. And then I ran out, at back out, and, and then Marillo called me over. I was like, oh my god, just don't die right now in this moment, Reed. <laughs> you know. What did he say to you? This is yeah, yeah, legendary. Then, well, then and then you know, I, I think he saw that like I was probably like pale white and I was like dying. And he was like, and he was like, you don't, you know, don't worry. He was like, he's like, you're, you're gonna be all right. And I was like, okay, okay. I'm like, I was like, I'm gonna try to give you everything I have, Marillo, you know. And um, he was like, don't worry, you know, if you need to go out, and just go, go in the back, puke, grab a drink of water, and just come back. We'll keep rolling. Don't worry. Like, really, <laughs> d- didn't give me any outs or, or excuses. You know, it was just like, yeah, you're don't still worry. training. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you gotta puke, go, go for it. Then just come right back, and I'll armbar you. And <laughs> don't take too long. Though. Like, come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because like, you're my training partner. No, but Marilla, what about the arm? Yeah, Marilla was super nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what, what he had on his arm, and but um, but his arm was out of commission, and it was like wrapped up in in garbage bags, and and he still was he still you know he told you to go one hundred percent, right? Yeah, he, then he told me don't don't worry about it. You know, he's like he was like go for it, Kamora me. He's like you know don't 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 hold back at all. And I was like, but he's basically rolling with one arm wrapped in a black trash bag. Not just not using that arm. No, not not using that arm at all. But he told me that I could attack it. He told me that, that <laughs> like don't, don't worry. Like he was like he was tr- letting me know that to like there's you know no excuses here. You gotta. <laughs> I was like down with it. But Marilla's always uh, the guy that to invite people out to roll right. Like I remember we've been there when we were there for Road to Worlds. Like put the pants on. Like let's go. I have yeah. a gee for you. Yeah. And, uh, oh, amazing role. Yeah, yeah. Amazing yeah. amazing role. And uh, just like to feel somebody somebody like that. You know. If, feel those guys you really feel what it's like to, to roll with these high level guys how it's, gangster it's is incredible. it though that he's like got one arm and he basically tells you 100%. what about you though you, you've been come at me 100% you've been to um, uh, New York a bunch of times you got into roll yeah there? no never with any names like I have trained at a couple of the gyms I trained at Henzo's you did a private lesson with John though right I did I did a I did, I've done a couple of privates in New York I, I got a roll at Marcelo's um, way way back because the first time I ever visited New York was in 2010 I was like a long time ago and um, I think I was a new purple belt or you know been a purple belt for a little while and I uh, basically went to New York to train for a week and I went to Marcelo's like twice a day every day for like five days nice. it was freaking incredible um, but that was like way back and he didn't have any of the names that he has there now you know Mateus you know Marcus Holder none of those guys were there this is way 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 back but um, the last time that I've the last times that I've trained in New York, it's just worked out that I've trained at Henzo's. Um, and I did John's class, but I didn't train with any, like, I didn't, like, with you. I didn't roll with Gary or Gordon or those guys. You know, I was just, I was rolling with the old dudes over in the corner who also were really, really, really tough, like yeah. you're saying. It's like, yeah, super tough. yeah, and a couple of them were kind of coming over to me as well. And it was like, ah, we just <laughs> go next. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, anytime. It's that thing, isn't it? A visitor the look comes in their over. eye. Yes. Yeah, they're like, mm, fresh meat. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I only rolled gear at Henzo's as well. It was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I was really lucky because I got to do a couple of um, private lessons. And I did one private lesson with John Danaher. And I did a private lesson with Paul Schreiner. And mm. Paul, Paul, Paul is... at Marcelo's too. Yeah, he's there. He's, he's, man, so this is the crazy thing. I don't think a lot of people really appreciate who Paul is. Mm. 
and how freaking good he is either because Paul is like a little bit of a oh I got to roll with Paul actually I, did I, you yeah yeah I did get to roll with Paul not this time but, monster, but the last time yeah. right oh yeah yeah so tough but it's like for, just to explain who he is because I think a lot of people are like not even familiar with his name because he's very very low key guy he's basically number two to Marcelo in the gym right he teaches like every day and it's crazy because he's not even a black belt from Marcelo he's like he um God, I can't even remember who he got his black belt off. But Paul is a Paul is like an old school American jujitsu guy. He's from San Jose. Oh, no, sorry, he's from Santa Cruz. Isn't he a Claudia Franca black belt? Maybe. I think so. Okay. Yeah, he's some from Santa Cruz, California. He spent a bunch of time living in Brazil, training with so many different people. He trained with the Gracie Baja guys and Gordo and all those dudes. He trained with Alliance and Fabio Gurgel. He trained with all these different people, just just constantly bouncing around. Um, and got his black belt years and years probably like a third or fourth degree black belt now I guess but really high up there and um, I just think it's amazing because you know he was basically hired and and became like the number two instructor at Marcelo's gym that's an incredible responsibility mm. right you know and an incredible trust from Marcelo to bring somebody in and to do that but I think speaks volumes as to just how good Paul is right and he is freaking incredible instructor really really good um and he has a killer half guard game. So like, all right, that's what we did in that in that particular lesson because I was like, Paul, I know you're really good at a lot of stuff, but I know you got a killer like old school half guard game. But you got some really nice tricks, and and we uh, we looked at some really nice details. And man, the, the, one of my favorite things about the private with Paul is um, is that you know I've done classes with him, and he's a great instructor, but he's teaching to the room. But when you're one on one. Uh, he's like teaching me this kind of like you know this counter to this little defense and this that and the other and he's like yeah he's like I know this works because the only thing that works on Lucas Lepre when he's passing my guard it's the only thing that I works and that I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like okay <laughs> that's money yeah <laughs> battle tested right <laughs> yeah Paul gave me some um, we rolled and, and he submitted me 40 times with this <laughs> north-south choke so I asked him afterwards about this north-south choke he gave me some really good details about finishing that, that choke They all those guys love that choke are, are really good at it. It's one of the things in Marcelo's that everybody does really well. But man, I I don't know what it is. I just don't know what I'm missing. I cannot get that. I've never choke figured it out either. It's difficult to yeah, yeah. choke to finish. It, it is, is yeah, right? It is. But um, but they seem to have really um, a lot of success finishing. I do, do. I do also need a like a full lesson from Paul or or one of those just guys. like a one on, hour on, super on the, focus session on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I remember you were saying that uh, maybe as Mateus Lutz said he liked the choke because of the control. You know, it's really hard to just get out of that position even if you can't finish. What was it? What was it? He said that there's there's no defense. This is what Paul was the, saying, telling me. Oh, actually, Paul, this okay, is what, yeah. yeah, this is okay. what Paul was saying to me or Paul or Marcelo, I forget. But um, yeah, they were saying that that, that they think it's like a, a more dangerous choke or a more powerful choke than the rear naked choke because um like you know there's there's um clear ways to defend the the, the um rear naked no, rear naked choke or rear naked strangle i'm sorry excuse me <laughs> and um, oh, you've been the head those recently <laughs> <laughs> but um um but there's no real easy way or there's no real avenue to defend the north south choke so so they like it it's even better it's yeah. true because you know think about it You've, I've, I've known this has happened to me, and I've even got out sometimes like this. But like a fully locked on rear naked choke, some just tough guys or a guy with like no neck, they just you reach up, just grab your hands, and they just peel it off, and they just get out. You see it all the time like, in MMA, like a, do, one of those yeah. guys just like gritted out, they got the glove grip and stuff. And, yeah. And, but like, yeah, and like they have like guys like a full rear naked choke in, but just doesn't tap. Yeah, yeah. And you'd think it's game Under over at that chin. point, right? But. Um, that's why, you know, I guess when they teach the rear naked, obviously you want to kind of like punch the, the hand, the, you know, at the back of the neck rather than do that whole kind of like mm-hmm. hand on top of the head because guys just peel it off. But but there is no peeling off anything in the north-south joke. Mm. Like there's no rolling. You roll one way, you go into like a freaking guillotine, you know, if you can roll at all because the guy is basically sprawled out on top of you. Yeah. It's really difficult. There's no way you're going to bench press the guy off. It's just – I. Man, I get caught in North South. I'm done. You get somebody who's really good at it. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been trying mm-hmm. it a lot, and I haven't been able to finish. But I'm there, and I'm, I'm, you know, getting frustrated because I can't finish. But I'm also in control, so it is. It's worthwhile to experiment with because at least you know you're not getting smashed. Right? It's, it's, it's yeah. a side control submission, basically, right? Or it's, yeah. I mean, North South submission, but it's a, a submission you can get off. You don't have to right. mount, mount the guy or take yeah. his back. You know. So 
Because Mount's not really that, that safe these days, I feel like. And especially in especially Nogi. Nogi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 100%. Uh, hmm. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, um, training experiences in New York for me, like uh, one thing I did really enjoy was um, was was training at Henzo's because uh, John, <laughs> this is so funny, but John teaches, he starts every class teaching us uh, some kind of takedown or, or stand-up stuff, right? And, uh, and we did that. And then like, he usually does like one to two or a, a couple of you know a uh, couple of things from the feet and then you go down onto the ground and that day he was showing Della Hevergaard and I was like oh it's <laughs> familiar because, you know I've been training with Della Hever for like years you know I, I just flew up to New York to do the private lesson with John flew 5,000 miles or whatever it is and, and you know in the class today he happens to be teaching Della Hever so um that was kind of funny as well because I, I love seeing Dalahiva is one of those positions where there are so many kind of schools of thought on the on the Dalahiva guard and everybody's got their own take on it and then a lot of it is down to things like you know body type and style and the preferred options for Martin stuff it's like you know you look at the Mendez brothers right their Dalahiva guard is really really Berenbolo focused um, you look at guys like uh, all the guys from Merigali's gym they do that Della X, mm. right? So they punch that far hook through and then the free leg that comes through and it kind of hooks the guard in like the in the, the far leg in like an X guard position and then they've got an entire se- series of attacks that they do for both sides off that. And then, um, you know, it's just, there's just tons and tons of different options. So it was kind of nice to see that. But my private with John was really cool because um, he... Uh, he asked me what I wanted to do and uh, you know I'd been thinking about it for a while it's like I have an hour with John Danaher what do I want to learn so I went in there with one question I was like IBJJF legal straight ankle lock okay I want to know how to make the leg lock feel the difference between ow that hurts I need to tap or shit it literally feels like the foot is being ripped off the bottom of my leg yeah. because you know you felt some guys and they kind of just like get the ankle lock and it's like and they smash the blade of the forearm into the Achilles and it's like oh man that really hurts but you grit your teeth grit your teeth and then they get to a certain point it's like I can't hold it anymore it's like game of mercy it's like ah damn it tap but then there are some guys they wrap up that ankle lock and literally you feel like it's going to dislocate from, the, from your lower leg it's like it's just the mechanics of it are different so I was like John I want to know how to break a man's leg. You know the nice thought. Best thing is, it's like you know, I, I was sat there and um, John is. Uh, I think he was still having his, like during that period when he was getting his surgery and his hip replacement and stuff. It was around that time, but uh, he had uh, Matthew Tesla was the mm. the kind of the demo partner working with me on it and stuff. Matthew, I don't think you know, many people know, but he's a brown belt, yeah, brown black belt. I'm not sure, but he's could a be um, could be black now. Yeah, but he's a He's one of those, again, dark horses from the gym, like a John would call him probably like a, a junior member of the squad, you know, but he competes in a lot of events, not quite as well known as the rest of them. But um, they were both sat there intently sort of staring at me as I walk over the mat and I sit down in front of them and John's like, so what would you like to do today? And they're both like drilling me <laughs> like that. And I was like, uh, I told him like ankle lock. And there was just like, zero hesitation there wasn't yeah, even like yeah. a moment we think no nothing there wasn't even a moment of well okay i guess we could do it, it was just like the words Let's were out begin. of my mouth exactly the words were almost like halfway out of my mouth and he's like good now <laughs> just like bring me into the position and oh my god you know there are stories as well about john that he is not a very um what is the word i'm looking for um but he's pretty merciless when it comes to showing techniques to demonstrating techniques it's like if you're John's uki right if you're his demonstrating partner you know the 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 body for the techniques is like be prepared because the technique is going to be applied correctly there's no like <laughs> dialing it down and kind of like letting the guy kind of like be comfortable while you're explaining it's like he shows the technique with anatomical precision and therefore it's like if you do not you know you, you it's going to be held like a half a millimeter away from breaking point it's like oh my god it's miserable it is absolutely <laughs> miserable like my feet hurt after that and he was being gentle 
but the, just the technique was so correct when he was showing me that the, mm. the, 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 I'm practically limped out of there and we didn't even roll it was just like just feeling the technique kind of like demonstrated I did get a great interview with John as well uh, when I was in, in New York and yeah. we talked to all things ADCC so that's that's to come as well but I think, but I think yeah it reminds me of uh, Mikey Musmeshi right he's, he's got a great um, straight ankle lock there and I think that's I always try to like tell people when I'm, t- when I'm like telling people about Mikey and I'm like he made this guy tap out in 12 another adult black belt in jiu-jitsu tap out in 12 seconds and like from an ankle lock and the world championship final in the world championship final like this guy tapped out in 12 seconds he made another adult black belt have in 12 seconds i like try to like not because his ankle hurt it was like he didn't make him tap out because his ankle hurt he made him tap out because in 12 seconds his leg in 13 seconds his leg was going to break yeah that's why he tapped out destroyed it yeah because like he felt like his leg was going to break that's a different type of pressure than tapping because it it hurts your ankle or it hurts your calf or or whatever yeah (laughs) scary it's not the first time mikey's done those super fast ankle lock submissions i think mm. it was pans 2017 it's the year that he did rooster mm. oh yeah i remember that yeah and yeah, he tapped the guy out and it was the fastest submission of pans i believe i mm. think it was something like seconds. 20 seconds yeah. or something and savage absolute mm. savage i remember that um uh chase and i trained with coyote terror in rio one time mm. and um and Oh, I yeah. felt that too. Right. Right. Kyle's a lot like John in the gi. I feel like Kyle's very precise. Absolutely. And, uh, Surgically precise. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I've never spent more time considering a single position than I have with Kyle, especially in our private. We worked mm. on like Z-Guard for, mm. you know, an hour and a half or whatever that was. Yeah, it was. A literally, yeah. Z-Guard kind of variation. And, um, and you won't ex- accept anything less than like 100% perfect. But what's amazing mm. is that you feel it. So when he does it to you, you're like, yeah, that works. That works really, really well because this is killing me just to be in your guard. It, you know, there was so much pressure on my like thigh right above the it's knee. It's the hip clamp thing, yeah, the right? Hip clamp. Man, I've literally like I've I've trained with other people since. I've rolled with other people who do the hip clamp, and nothing even came close to the yeah, pressure amazing. I felt. I literally felt like my hip was gonna pop out. Wow. <laughs> like, it hurt. It hurt it to did. be in his guard. Wow. Yeah, and it was really no way to get out of it either. I mean, it was a clamp. And yeah, so, half guard. That's yeah, mm-hmm. it was a half guard, and and um, the reason why. Uh, Hal brought it up, I believe, or, or Kyle might have mentioned it, was he managed to hold off, like, DJ Jackson in an absolute match, Nogi using this hip clamp technique like for, like, 10 minutes. Like 10 minutes. Yeah. And DJ <laughs> is remember. a bull. I mean, you watch that guy try and pass, and he's he's bigger than Kyle. He's strong and relentless, and Kyle kept him there. And it's like, okay, there's clearly, you know, some something there that's going well for him. And, uh, yeah, a lot like John, you know, just step by step – Inch by inch adjustments, and um, I've forgotten it all. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what about you? You got any good um, good roles in so, there? Good, good. New York guys, let's talk. Yeah, New York or, guys. or anybody but, just um, in the gym. We, I mean, plenty, plenty of good roles throughout my my career here at Flow. But uh, for New York, I had I rolled with Levi Jones Leary in Abu Dhabi, and like oh, that's right, yeah. you managed to get in on a little uh, kind of unity training session. Yeah, right? they, there's a there's a small training in Abu Dhabi is kind of weird, by the way. Like there aren't that many jujitsu gyms because uh-huh. it's an official state sponsored sport. You know, there's like a, an academy or not an academy, sorry, like a full facility to train at at the at the arena, and that's where a lot of training happens in classes. But there's a small little gym like 15 minutes away. Um, that's open to the public, and a lot of the guys from Unity have managed to form a relationship there, and they train. So the Meows trained there, and basically anybody that wants to go with them. Well, who was there that day then when you so went So we there? had Talison and um, Paulo. No, no, so that, that's a separate session. I've been there more than once, but at this okay. session it was Talison and Levi. Oh, so, so you got the hookup. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you know, um, they want they want the hookup too, right? They want some, some flow coverage, and yeah. I want to train. So I'm ha- we're happy to make that trade. And... Um, yeah, so I rolled with Levi. And like your experience with Paulo, he was just bored. <laughs> I, I mean, and what's crazy is I don't really think of him as being that much bigger than me. He's bigger. but He is a big kid. But not that much when I look at him. But holy crap, I, I had no strength. And he was so positionally sound. He was doing these, like, bullshit positions that I was mad that worked, you know, where he had, like, his, his, his legs were scissored across my chest. And somehow I wasn't able to like push him down. It was it was it's kind of like half donkey guard, if you will. I don't know. He was just doing whatever he wanted. It was insane. I have heard that he's yeah. really, really strong. Though. His grips um, were incredible. You know, you know who even that. said that he was strong actually was Gianni Grippo. Because mm-hmm. they, uh, oh yeah, said, right. right. Keenan said Levi's strong. Oh, you said they just felt different. 
right? And, and, and the interview, interview from I did, World to World. Um, yeah, he said the, the oh, Levi, Levi won gold. Levi and, just felt yeah. different. Right. But no, um, I remember it was Europeans <laughs> because uh, Levi beat Kevin Mahecha, Gianni Grippo, Pedro Romalio, and then, of course, Lucas Lepri. And I was chatting to because Gianni went up to lightweight for Euros, and mm. I was chatting to him afterwards. And, and Gianni was like, man, I'm going back down to featherweight because those lightweights feel strong. Mm. He specifically was talking about Levi. And we were talking about this the other day, right, that um, – Damn, the one thing about Levi that really like stands out is that kid has got some paws on him. Mitts. Holy big, big hand. crap. Yeah, yeah. His hands. Next time you meet Levi, just you just kind of take a look because you'll be like, Jesus, his hands look like the size of a guy who's 200 pounds, but he's walking at like probably 170. It's like it's, he's just like disproportionately big, thick freaking claws on his hands. It's crazy. In that same session, I got the trainer Towson as well. Towson was also there, and um, that was super fun. You know, Towson was really nice to me and really creative. You know, <laughs> he didn't tune you up. Uh, he, yeah, no, I mean, he finished me a million times, but they were just you know smooth, clean, awesome mm. technique, and um, there's a lot of Baron Bolos. A lot of Baron Bolos, <laughs> but just just like a Surprising. impassable guard. I mean, yeah. when you many people have tried, I don't yeah, think anybody's done it yet. So. It was just it's just fun to feel someone that that's good. I feel like it's a recurring yeah. theme whenever we talk about this and training for elite guys is when you when you run into someone that's so good at what they do, it's just kind of a pleasure to like feel it. Oh, like yeah. The, yeah. the your scope of jiu-jitsu broadens when mm. like you realize how deep this rabbit hole of jiu-jitsu exactly. really goes. You know, and like that is always a refreshing thing coming coming back from New York. I am like always just my faith in jiu-jitsu is always just restored because it's just like the, hearing people talk about it and seeing people approach it from such different angles and, and feeling people be so so good at it like just the scope of jiu-jitsu it's just it's endless it's mm-hmm. huge and that's it's, it's so reassuring hey question about rolling with allison actually did he uh did he play his guard passing game at all you know he did actually, and I was yeah. amazed at his his pressure passing. Yeah. Like like all, all those guys from Unity uh, via Marillo, of via course. Marillo, yeah, um, of course, yeah. Didn't uh, work though, right? Uh, oh, yeah. definitely, definitely <laughs> was incredible, and um, that's a huge area of weakness for me. I have terrible pressure. You know, I'm a light guy, and uh, I've used that as my excuse not to really learn how to pressure people because it's easier for a bigger guy to push me away. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that, so I, I play a very rangy, distance based game. But really, you know, I should be learning the pressure passing, and it was a, a real pleasure to feel Talison do it to me because he's much smaller than me. Well, all those guys yeah. are on the smaller scale, right? I mean, you look at um, everybody from Unity. Misa is, you know, obviously mm-hmm. a Rooster 8 girl. Uh, Talison, Rooster 8. Um, all the guys, especially the new crew who just got their black belts. Uh, Jonas like Andrade. Jonas, yeah, Diego. Um, obviously, yeah, Diego Pato. Um, you got both of Meows. Uh, Italo Moore is a little bit heavy, right? He's kind of like light lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. Junie, Junie's in there. Brown Junie's Bell. in there. Brown Bell, yeah. Was he like light feather? Yeah, yeah. So you know, all these guys, they they you know sub one fifty, the majority of mm-hmm. them, and yet they pass like freaking heavyweights. Right? Yeah, and it's they, just, they just suck it in, and it hurts your ribs, and you just it's really you want to give up the pass. Well. Like yeah. it's miserable, and you feel there's no escape once they lock down that that grip, that body lock pass, and you're just like, oh, okay. Remember we did the uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it was last year, actually. It was last August. It was August 2018 because it was at Masters Worlds. Remember that you and I, um, we connected with uh, Joao Miao. And yes. we, went out to, uh, we went out to Robert Drysdale's gym, the Zenith. And uh, Robert very kindly let us use his gym to shoot some techniques with Joao. And those techniques are on the site. You can check them out because, um, you know, like I've known the Miao brothers a long time, right? Since they were purple belts. Great kids. But um, no, it's no secret that they're not the... You know, best conversationalists you know they're they're always very very polite they're always very very respectful and and you know friendly in their own way but it's difficult to get them opened up but my word my word i've never seen joao as enthusiastic and as into what we were doing that day because we went in there and he was like well what, what do you want me to show you know what techniques because we hadn't discussed it we just you know made the the, the arrangement to be there and um, I was like, see some of the passing game, shall we? Mm. And his face just lit up, right? Remember how in- mm-hmm. he was, how excited he was, like to show this technique. And and I was like, man, can, can you slow down? Because yeah. like I'm, I'm trying to film this, and it's really good. But he's just like, yeah, yeah, you do this, you do this, and it's like, and then you can do. Oh man, was, that was such good information, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot, that's the thing with a lot of guys; they're a little bit uncomfortable on camera, or maybe just shy in general. Get them talking about jiu-jitsu, and yeah. all of a sudden, that's their world. Yep. They know so much, and True. they're so happy to share. Almost, I've never had anyone hold back something from me, you know, on or off camera. You know, people are just so willing to 
to really show what they're good at. I feel like it's such a, a joy for them. So it's nice. I mean, it's a privilege to be in our position where we get to see that all the time. That's something that yeah. we've all got in common and we're all really passionate about, right? Mm-hmm. But speaking of the, the Talisman thing as well, we should definitely mention to everybody that the, the, the fifth and final part of our Talisman Suarez documentary series, the, uh, the Path to Black Belt, dropped today. So that concludes... Nice. I mean, that was just incredible. Our contributor, Michael Sears, who will be joining us full-time soon, um, man, he shot that uh, from January through till, you know, June at Worlds. Uh, I think he shot it across three, four, four different continents mm-hmm. over the space of six months. Filmed in Brazil, filmed in Europe, filmed in Abu Dhabi, filmed in the States, um, and shows like that, that latter period of Taliesin winning gold medal, the Every tournament he enters at brown belt and then getting his black belt on the podium. Or, oh, sorry, not on the podium. Getting his black belt after winning the world championships. Mm-hmm. Incredible story, right? Absolutely. Talison's going to be a, a force at, at black belt. Once For years to come, yeah, right? Yeah, he's, he's 19, 20 years old. Yeah. Man, getting really, I'm, I, man, I'm hoping that Mikey Musumeshi Talison match happens somewhere. Love that's, to see that's it. the match I want to see. Yeah. You know the thing about Talison as well? I, I've, I've really sort of soaked up from watching those, those, uh, those episodes. Is that for a young guy, he's got such a good head on his shoulders. Mm. So, like, mature and grounded and, like, wise beyond his... I think back to when I was that age, I was a freaking idiot when I was, like, (laughs) 19 or 20 years old. You know, I had no clue what life was about. Some things never change, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Still figuring it out. There we go. But, but, I mean, I don't know, man. Talison, he's just... he's, He's, like, he's a special kid, right? Absolutely. We love watching him. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to work with him, yeah. you know, and he's fun to train with too. So, yeah, mm-hmm. good times. Hey, just checking the um, the comments on the live stream, actually, and there's a good one here. Of, uh, Jordan Butler just reminded me that, uh, that remember Bird Wiltsey? As, uh, for oh, yeah. those who oh, yeah. don't know, Andrew Wiltsey's has a, you know, he's from Pedagog Submission Fighting there in Mount Vernon, Illinois, the American Jiu-Jitsu uh, crew. And uh, Bird Wiltsey is his younger brother, and he hit a seven-second ankle lock last year at Worlds. Mm, I remember, I remember that. Mm-hmm. so yeah, fast. Belt, I remember that. Yeah. He's like, like literally, the referee said go, and he like sprinted out in the middle of the mat, double guard pull, bang! It was just so cool. There's Quick nothing one. more horrifying than a guy that's like running at you and wants an ankle lock and gets there in a few seconds. You're like, oh no, this that's is bad. Worst. This is really yeah, bad for yeah. me. Yeah, man, doesn't go well. <laughs> cool. Uh, what else? What else is up? Well, I mean, let's see. Um, I just keep going back to ADCC. I mean, Kasai's yeah, coming ADCC. up. So uh, one of the things that Josh and I were talking about in that interview was, was uh, his match with Mateus Denise. I'm, I'm looking forward to again. Rematch. Rematch. Both those guys at ADCC. Because they fought um, They fought twice. semifinal at, at yeah. Noki Worlds last year as well, right? And 2016. That's um, right. Both so the semifinals. And Josh has wins over him both times. Twice. And he, he actually, I, I got his prediction for the match. And he was, he was pretty candid about how he thought it would go where... Um, the win- the winner's the guy on top. He says, you know, huh. when, when, last year's match, if you haven't seen it yet, um, from Nogi Worlds in 2018, was super back and forth. It, it, it was like six was to like, four or like... Or, uh, yeah, it was like the first half was all Josh yes, and the second exactly. half was all Mateus. Exactly. And he basically said it's because, you know, he managed to get swept and so Mateus came on top and was just racking up the points and Josh had to kind of hang on at the last point. So he's thinking for Kasai, he's just got to be on top. You know, mm. and um, slightly different rule structure as well in Kasai, right? It's um, you know they use kind of uh, the the standard scoring points for, for, for the jujitsu positions, but they have that one point thing where they don't have advantages in Kasai, attempts, right? So point. yeah, submission attempts and near takedowns. Yeah, they both get. I forget like about one the near point. takedowns thing mm. occasionally until it happens in the match because that could be a huge deal, especially oh, yeah. in Josh and Mateus's match. Because you know they're going to wrestle, and Mateus has oh, got yeah. excellent wrestling, and so does Josh. So well, remember, Mateus beat Craig Jones um, in overtime, uh, third coach grappling, just a couple of months ago, right? With that takedown right at the end mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. that was cool. Uh, yeah, man, I'm excited well, for Kasai Pro. I talked to Mateus, and he thought he was going to win. Oh. <laughs> uh, so no, you he don't told say. Me that, yeah. <laughs> Did he predict a heel hook finish? <laughs> no, he <laughs> predicted that he was going to be on top and win. <laughs> yeah, that's a great match. I'm really excited. Oh, that's an awesome match. I mean, you yeah. got obviously Josh's. Uh, both of them are going to ADCC as well. That's a, yeah, a significant super fight that could kind of predict a little bit about. Uh, what to expect at ADCC and then Kasai Pro 6 has actually got another great great super fight on there as well it's got a bunch but um, Kainan versus Yuri 
Yes, absolutely. That's really interesting because you're been ramping up the training, man. On Instagram, he has. he has been posting a lot of training stuff. I like it. So I like the fact that this is another match that predicts you. Uh, and both ADCC. those guys, yeah, in the same division. Yeah, ADCC. over ninety nine. Yeah. And you know, I, I was um, I was doing some research for this the other day when I was uh, uh, writing about a potential match between. Yuri Samoyes and Kyle Snyder because the, Yuri suggested it and it kind of blew up a little bit there mm, recently, right? But everybody was kind of like one of two camps. They were either like, ah, terrible idea. What was Yuri thinking about taking on Kyle Snyder? And then some other people were kind of like, wow, that's actually really interesting. What would happen? Let's see it. You know, what if? But um, Yuri, in 2015, he won ADCC at 88 kilos. In 2017, he won it at 99 kilos, and he's coming back this year to do the over 99. And by my kind of research, he could become the only three-time ADCC champion in three different weight divisions. Very cool, cool right? Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, putting a name is, in history. Is, is he really the only guy to win two two different weight classes? No. Okay. Okay. I thought I saw, I saw that somewhere. Um, so it would be three different weight mm-hmm. classes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. It's wild. You know what? I was uh, I pulled out this, this stat. I've been doing a lot of ADCC stuff. You guys probably think this is interesting. I don't know. I got to look up. I forget who won the absolute ADCC absolute division in t- 2011. Do you remember who, who that was? Anybody? 2011. It um, was um, 2011. Was in UK. No, it was Galvao. That's to say, it's Andre's first one. Because that's uh, yeah, that's, that's when right. he uh, he he qualified to uh, go fight gold? Braulio. Did he double gold? Yes, at that time in 2011, it was UK. He beat Palhares in the final of the, yeah, the right. weight division. I forget who his opponent was in the absolute, but then he went and he fought Braulio in 2013. Gotcha, gotcha. Super fight. Gotcha. Um, this kind of messes up. That kind of messes up my my statistic. But uh, I was thinking of like all these guys who win the absolute division. Right? It's like t- 2017. Felipe Pena wins the absolute division, loses in his weight class. Mm. 2015. Claudio Calasanz loses in his weight class, wins the absolute division. Yeah. Um, 2013. Um, who, who is Cyborg? It? Cyborg. Cyborg loses in his in, in his weight class, and wins back, the absolute, and wins the absolute. Oh my god. Robert Drysdale in 2005. Yeah, Robert Drysdale, like 2005? Seven. Seven. 2007, sorry, yeah. sorry. 2007, loses in his weight class, wins the absolute. Wow. It's like, if you want to win the absolute, I feel like you got to lose, gotta your, go you gotta lose your weight class. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not certain, but um, there is a, a potential explanation for that could be if you lose in your weight class, you get a bigger rest. Because if you win gold in your weight class – there's a potential you could have a 40 minute match in the in the weight class well, final. I, like Felipe had a 40 minute match in his weight class final. Against True, he took silver and gold, right? But I'm I'm I, I'm just saying that it could be if you went out a little bit earlier, like in a semi or something. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, you know, guys, actually, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but uh, we have a very special ADCC legend in our comments right now. Oh no, I haven't seen Shanji Hibero. What's up, Shanji? Uh, Checking in, watching. I wonder uh, where in the globe he is right now. Right. Uh, He's actually, uh, I believe, Shanji, you'll probably confirm, but I believe he's in Brazil recovering from his wrist surgery. Oh, that's right. So this is the first ADCC in a while where Shanji is unable to compete, and it's a shame because uh, for those who don't know, Shanji actually has the record as the competitor with the most number of ADCC matches. Mm. Wasn't it? It's like... Something crazy. Six or how many? Five or something. It's like it's over thirty. He was gonna go for forty, right? I remember he Mm -hmm. that when he was still ready to compete. That was the thing. He's gotta have the most arm bars too in ADCC history. I bet he has the most arm bars. (laughs) And he's saying ADCC will be great. I do not disagree. I think ADCC is gonna be incredible. Cannot wait. We have people in our gym going. I've been hearing little stories from all over the U.S. of people buying tickets, buying flights, going out to watch. When I I went, when I went out to to Providence, uh, where I. I'm from um, guys were telling me that they're that they're gonna you know buy tickets and head out all the way out. It's gonna so be such like a, a scene. I love it. I cannot wait. Yeah, yeah I did see something the other day actually um, that the t- tickets are actually selling out pretty fast. So Sweet. if you haven't got them and you want to go, I would get on that pretty quick. So uh, yeah, that that's it's gonna be freaking incredible. Yep, yep. A couple of big fight to win super fights coming up as well. We've got major. Implications I'm for the Wagner JT. Well, right? Wagner JT, are you kidding? Wagner JT's this weekend, and that could be an ADCC awesome final match, right there. Right? Well, look, ADCC gold medalist versus ADCC bronze medalist mm. from 2017. Incredible, but huge, huge deal. This is JT's first no gi match coming Thanks. back from ADCC gold. Wow, Dang. he hasn't fought. He hasn't fought no gi since. Wow, Vag- Wagner Gotta has had something there. like. 18 matches in the last <laughs> year and a half and you know he's one of the most active no-gi competitors out there right that's mm-hmm. a great point absolutely so that's that's 
incredible for me you know like is that going to be a factor the inactivity yeah that, could, that must be a thing JT trying to get some some tune-ups yeah some tune-ups yeah. in there bef- I mean it's not tough to, tune-up yeah, it's, a, it's a rough <laughs> tune-up but just trying to get yeah. the experience anyway before ADCC and then you got Spriggs versus Tex yes Tim Spriggs versus Tex Johnson this weekend on the same card uh, that's another huge one I've actually heard that they're going to end up in the same weight class because Spriggs won trials East Coast trials at under 99 and, and Tex won over 99 but the rumor is that Tex is going to drop down to under 99 mm, I'm not sure if that's confirmed I mean it's it's very much up in the air but there's been some movement uh, just today on that right yeah we read uh, I read on uh, Mo's Instagram that Dylan is moving up to 99 and we're having the debut of Dante Leon love it I love it. Dante's coming in at 77, right? Yes. So now there's that is two. So good. There's, no, there's two Canadians at ADCC. You're ADCC? Ethan? Ethan? Oh, I forget Ethan's Canadian. Tazer's Canadian. Oh, yeah, Tazer's Canadian. Yeah, you got a couple. Yeah. But that is really cool, man. I think Dante, you know, this late call up and stuff, it's like he's definitely one of the guys who was on that short list to get a call because look at what he's done in No Gi this year. You know? Yeah. So yeah. He's performed so It was amazing well. against the best. So yeah, he deserves to be there for Well, sure. he has submissions over Mateus Lutz, submissions mm. over Edwin Najmi. He had that just explosive match with Hinato Canuto at Kasai just recently. And they're both in 77 at ADCC. Love it. We could see that. And I remember watching him at um, Noogie World last year and he was just on fire. Mm. He ran into a tough match with Hugo Marks. But before that, he was just on fire. Nogi seems to be uh, Dante's forte. He's, he's so good at that. Yeah, and then the... Um, what was the other one? It's, uh, oh, that's right. The, the following weekend, so not this weekend, but the following weekend, August 3rd, I want to say, uh, we got Edwin mm. uh, is on... I think, actually, yeah, this is... No, he's, he's already fought on Fight to Win. It's yes. not his Fight to Win debut. But Edwin is coming through, and um, he's got a match with... Uh, with DJ uh, Jackson. DJ Jackson, thank yes, you. Yes. There you go. Right, thank you. Um, that's... That's a crazy match. That is a great That's match. A great one. That's another good one, and again, kind of sets up ADCC because DJ's in uh, seventy-seven. He is, and that's gonna wow. be a tough, tough weight so for DJ to make. DJ usually fights above that. I feel like DJ's weight goes he up and down a lot. And you know, I remember tell- him telling me this once because you know he was fighting at some ridiculous like heavyweight, like two hundred pounds or something. And I was like, DJ, what are you doing, man? And he's like, I know. And he's like. It's like, but it doesn't matter what weight class I sign up for. I still have to cut weight for it. <laughs> yeah. We have um, a guy who, who works here now, um, David, who, who we work with, who, who used to, who res- was on the wrestling team with, with DJ. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. We're hearing about In that. In Iowa? Um, no, Iowa. It's, yeah, Iowa. It was Iowa, right? Was it? No, I don't oh. think so. Not Iowa, the Iowa, but he was uh, somewhere in Iowa. Somewhere in Iowa? I, I forget. Um, but yeah, he's got some funny stories about DJ. Should ask him from the wrestling days. Yeah, should bring him in on the show <laughs> and sit him down and say, "What's the real deal, with DJ Jackson?" <laughs> oh, here we go. Shanji has uh, has commented in. He's, Forty-one uh, ADCC matches <clears throat> for Shanji. Actually, I think he corrected himself and said forty-two. <laughs> what? Forty-two. Oh, forty-two yeah. matches in seven ADCC events. Wow, freaking unreal. That's nice. Unreal. Wow, guys, Legend. I'm so Legend. excited. Yeah, ADCC is going to be awesome. I love the way that we got these super fights between now and then on Kasai, on Fight to Win. Don't it's just, yeah. Don't forget about the uh, ADCC after party either. That'll be cool. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> don't, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Well, you guys are at the ADCC tearing it up on the dance floor in Finland exactly two years ago. Yeah. Some of us were doing work, sat in the hotel lobby, pounding <laughs> out <of> stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Where's out there representing? I, rem- I can't remember what I was doing that night, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good one. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, maybe we'll save that for a future podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the stories from the ADCC after party. <laughs> All right, guys. I think it's a good time to uh, to wrap it up. We got stuff to do. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go research some ADCC matches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, take care. We'll see you again. Uh, I think we have another show next week. Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, squeeze it in. Let's do it. Maybe awesome. a special guest, even. Maybe hopefully Ooh, we can get. We'll see. Maybe. All right, guys. Peace. See you again for another episode of Fistful of Colors.